everybody. Welcome to Mental Health Comedy. I'm Ed Krasnick. Am I yelling? Because I feel a lot. Yeah, uh, yeah, a little bit. Okay. With Jennifer Kalari and our special guest today is Wayne Fetterman. He's going to join us in a minute. And this is the show that unites, uh, well, it's good because it's in the title, right? It unites mental health and comedy. But we not only talk about it, we practice it. When it comes to mental health, everybody talks about it. Nobody practices it. So we're we're trying to we're trying to do a little bit of that. Jennifer uh, is at, it's great that she's here because otherwise the ship is not sailing. Um, Jennifer is a child and family therapist, and she's been working with people all kinds of teaching skills. She has a great community, a great company called ConnectedParenting.com, and you should definitely check that out and visit that. And I'm Ed Krasnick. I'm a Hebrew action figure, is what I do. No one has more insecurity. No one does it worse. But that's what's great. I'm the before, Jennifer's the after, and Wayne's in the middle. So so now, um, just briefly, I want to do a couple of emotional shout-outs, and then we'll start talking, and we welcome people in. And so if you have Serenity Prayer bedsheets, welcome. If you've moved your furniture into the bathroom to avoid your family, welcome. If you describe breathing as another way to go, welcome. If you yell out the words, you got that right, sister, while watching Rachel Maddow, welcome. If every show on your Netflix feed ends in the word murder, welcome. And if your response to your own feelings is, it must be gas. Welcome to the program. Jennifer, I thought that we would talk a little bit. We talk about a lot of things, but I thought we'd talk a little bit about self-criticism, that self-critical yeah. voice. Is that just something that's wired into us because our brain has a negativity bias? Is that where the self-critical voice comes from? Well, that's certainly part of it, right? The, the, the brain is biased towards negativity for sure. Um, and then it also has to do with what, what are called implicit memories. So prior to the age of like seven, um, all the things that happen to us um, get stored in the limbic system. That's the, that's the part of the brain that feels and, and is interested in survival. So any of the other memories don't get filed in the prefrontal cortex or the frontal lobe, which is a part of the brain that regulates and inhibits and organizes. We don't even have that hardware built in our brains until we're about seven. That's why we don't remember very much before that age. And so anything that happened to us before that, any scary things, any traumatic things, um, get kind of burned into the limbic system like a tattoo. So, and then the brain kind of grows itself around those experiences because it felt like that was something really scary that you, that you survived, even though it could have been, I don't know, getting yelled at by your teacher in kindergarten. Um, the, the midbrain doesn't care what it is. If it got alarmed, if it got upset, if the breathing rate changed, if you started to panic, it's going to decide it was something that almost killed you and it's going to be stored in your long-term memory. So those implicit memories, I call them theme songs. They kind of play and the brain likes patterns. So it looks around it to find all those things that actually reinforce those theme songs. So, you know, typical theme, theme songs are, you know, I'm not enough. I'm not good enough. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll never I'm, be enough. No, I do everything. Nobody helps me. Yeah. You know, the, those, the, the, you basically have my top three. Uh, and my top 40. We're all Casey Kasem in our heads. And that is a reference as old as the hills, but, but it's okay to do that. Now, now, so is there, is there a, is there a brain hack for this? Is there a shortcut for this? Is there something that, that you, you know, when people come in and they see you and you, you hear just such incredible uh, self-talk that is, that is horrific. um, What do you do? 
So it, it's an interesting one because as always, you have to kind of notice that it's there. You have to notice that you're doing it. And so most of us live this way and don't even think about it. It just feels normal to us to beat ourselves up in our heads, right? So the first stage is to be like, huh, I do do that. There is this this voice in, in my head that's always telling me I'm not good enough and why don't bother and don't even start and you're going to get happy about it and it's going to get wrecked anyway, so why bother? And that's sort of like that theme song that's playing. So the first step is actually to notice it. Now, in times of stress, those, th those theme songs will always play, um, but knowing that they're there and learning how to turn them up or down is actually a really, really important skill. So the so, first step so, is to know that you have it. Mm -hmm. So you just note it, you just say, oh, there's that thing again. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and just notice how often it plays out. And it, think about your spouse, right? Any fight you have ever had is your theme song fighting with, with her theme song. That's how it works. It's always the same. You might be fighting about the garage door or who took out the garbage or who spent too much money, but the theme is always, you don't see me, you don't appreciate me, or you're always criticizing me. Like it's, it's literally the same fight we have over and over and over again. So part of it is noticing that theme song and then realizing when you're bringing that into play in your social relationships and your, in your important relationships. So noting it's the first thing. And then after that, you have to start to control the dial. Right now you have to start that that seems not theme song is never going to go away completely, but you can start a new song. You don't have to play that one over and over. It's a program. It's a program. So the other stage is to, is to start and notice. So I like to congratulate myself. That's what I like to do. So basically all day long, you open the door for somebody, you know what? Good for me. Congratulations. Right. I did a nice thing. Congratulations. Congratulations for being here. Like just constantly throughout the day, start to notice and congratulate yourself for small little things that feel good, that, that went well, the tiniest, stupidest things, the drawer open that's usually stuck. Congratulations, that drawer open. And it sounds so dumb, but what you're doing is you're causing your brain literally to be on a different station, on a different channel. It's playing a different song now. Um, and it's a new habit that you're creating. You just keep congratulating yourself. You keep catch, catching yourself doing clever things, smart things, pleasant things, nice things, um, and just keep doing it and doing it and doing it and doing it until you have new neural pathways that can play a different song. And we call this the Olympic Games because we're dealing with the limbic system here. We talk a lot about the limbic system on the show. So this is the Olympic Games, what you've been listening to now. Now we're going to move into Wayne Fetterman territory because Wayne Fetterman, no one has their own film festival. Wayne has it. No one has been in Legally Blonde. Wayne has it. No one has had the way I'm, I'm making the sweeping statements that you enjoy. Um, no one has had the history of comedy podcast. No one has it. No one has worked on the Zen diaries of Gary Shandling, which that's how I'm going to back into this conversation. First of all, let me invite the audience. Let me invite the listeners in to tell us what your theme song is. What is your emotional theme song? Wayne, I know that yours is Sanford and Son. Bum, 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 <laughs> yeah, right. Well, Lane right now. Lane yeah, right well, now. Well, tell me, tell me, tell me. So, so let's go in this way. Now, critical voices, self-criticism. This is not. This is not a big part of you, is it? This is what I have, though. I do have, and we've talked about it before. I, I did suffer from stage fright and still have it. So that I assume is an old theme song, about mine. If I'm getting this metaphor mm -hmm. correct. Mm -hmm. Right, right. So tell us about, tell, now how have you learned how to manage that? 
because you're a performer, you're on stage like half your life. How do you, how do you, how do you handle it? What works for you? Well, one of it was, I guess, what, what was just recommended, which was kind of <clears throat> redoing another, um, like just working through it, acknowledging it. I had this thing where it was just like, um, I feel like I was making it worse in a way. It's like, it's already there, but now suddenly, oh my God, now it's, it's, it's even worse because, um, so it's like, I kept, I just kept saying, oh my God, I'm doing this to myself. So I don't know if that's uh, something someone does. I mean, doctor, what do you think? <laughs> well, that's what anxiety does, right? Anxiety is, it's like, it, it loves you. It wants to save you. Anxiety gets a bad rap. It, everyone thinks it's this bad, terrible thing, which when it's out of control, it is. But it's really just there to keep you alive. And it just in, is interested in, in saving your life. So when you're on, a, on stage, which is a naturally nerve wracking thing when you're performing and your heart's beating and you're, you're breathing quickly and your muscles are all tensed up, your, your limbic system doesn't know it's because you're on stage. It thinks because there's something in front of you that's going to eat you. Right, and it right. doesn't understand why you keep doing that to yourself. And so however you manage it, um, it thinks, well, I, that worked. I made him really scared and he lived. He lived through it. So I'm going to, you know what? I'm going to do that next time too. I'm going to make him more scared next time to make sure that he lives through the next time too. And that's kind of how anxiety works. It just keeps grabbing territory. So it's interesting. You said like you feel like you're doing it to yourself. I mean, in a way we are when we're nervous. Right. But that self-preservatory anxiety, it's, it's, it, it's really a matter of learning to control it so it doesn't control you. And it's, it's, it's not giving it territory. And, and it's learning how to use your frontal lobe, the part, of your, the part of your brain that knows you're not in danger. I mean, it's scary, but you're not, you're not in danger right. physically. Um, and so it's finding ways to kind of talk yourself off the ledge so your anxiety thinks that's what saved you instead of being so scared. Are, are there things that, that you do preemptively or do you have to wait until you're like me, you wait until you're in crisis and you're falling down an elevator shaft emotionally. Yeah. And then you question, say, good question, Ed. Good question. Yeah, well, sure, there's a few. It is time once again for the Olympic Games, the Olympic Games. And what this is, is we work on the limbic system. The limbic system is where in your brain all of the fight flight or freeze reactivity is and so jennifer's always got some great tips and great skills and great things that we can practice so welcome to the olympic games here's a really interesting brain hack because the limbic system is really dumb like it's your all of your intelligence is all in the frontal lobe the limbic system's dumb so you can trick it so you can go on stage in your mind Imagine it very, very, with a lot of detail, you know, hear the sound of your feet clicking on the stage, feel the mic in your hand, look out, feel the, see the lights, like make it as real as you possibly can. And that's really important. And then imagine yourself doing your thing and thinking to yourself, I'm not even nervous. Like, this is crazy. I'm really enjoying myself. This is, this is great. And imagine yourself walking off the stage and being like, kind of just like, huh. Don't, don't be all excited about it. Just kind of like, huh, that was really cool. That, that wasn't a problem this time. And imagine that over and over and over again. And that is cognitive and emotional rehearsal. rehearsal. So, you just so I have to it. rehearse my emotions, not yeah. just the set. Not, not just, just the set. Not the just the piano thing I do. Not yeah. that. No. 
The key is the emotion because that's- right. I'm so writing now, this down. I'm writing this down. Yeah. I don't then, like to listen to my voice. Keep going. So, so what's cool about this, and this is why you have, it's a combination of really having the details, the imaginary details and the feeling at the same time. Those two things together are the brain hack because now your brain, now your limbic system thinks it's a memory. And now you've been on that stage so many times and you haven't been scared mm-hmm. that your brain doesn't, it doesn't send the alert out anymore. You can also make sure you're doing like breathing before you get on stage and yeah, like, relax. That. Yeah, that's. I mean, that will work in addition to this. But I think the cognitive and emotional rehearsal is probably the best. Thing How is that do. any different than what like when uh, sports figures do creative visualization? Is it the same exact thing? It, it's pretty much the same. And here's the interesting part: like the brain can't. If you put someone in an MRI and they're pretending they're playing golf, they're imagining that they're playing golf, or they're actually playing golf, it's going to look the same. The mirror neuron cells light up. There's a part of the brain that cannot tell the difference. The difference that I'm suggesting is the emotional part. That's actually absolutely critical. So it's the, the, wow, ah, this feels so good to be on this stage doing what I love and really enjoying it. Now, you want to be like a tiny bit nervous. If you're not nervous at all, you're going to be like, "Ah, I'll throw something out there. It'll be fine, right? Like you have to have a little bit of anxiety because that's what gives you motivation to do a good job. You just don't want so much that you're miserable first. Right, right. of course. I mean, yes, obviously you want a little juice, but I'm Mm -hmm. saying you don't want to point. But when it does happen, it does feel like, oh, I'm sabotaging this moment. I am doing this. Right. Mm Right. So is there a way to reprogram that so it's not I am doing it, it's it's this song list or yeah, you, you can say Lionel Richie yeah. or whoever. It's Lionel Richie doing it. It's always <laughs> Lionel Richie. You say it's my theme song. Absolutely. And you know, and you actually when you get angry and you're like, oh this anxiety, it's driving me crazy. I hate it, then that also makes the anxiety upset because A, it thinks, oh my God, he's trying to get rid of me. <laughs> If he gets rid of me, he's gonna be in real trouble. So I'm, the anxiety will often double down on you if you try to get rid of it. Um, and also it, um, it loves you. So it's trying to help you out. It's, it's no, you loving yourself so much that you mess yourself up is really what it is. So like you just it. have to learn how to control your anxiety so it doesn't control you. And this, this way of visualizing is so neat because, and that's why the emotional piece is so important. You got to feel it right in your bones as if it's happening right now. And then you want to do it a few times. That's the part that really makes this interesting because every time you're doing it, you're building new neuropathways that tell the brain, oh, I've done this before. Okay, well, how, let me ask you a question. Mm -hmm. This is about building new pathways. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Is like, I I get it. You want to do it repeated times, but let's say just hypothetically taking Wayne out of it. Yeah. Let's say you've been socially anxious at, at parties for 20 years, mm-hmm. and then you start practicing this, oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna visualize this, I'm gonna rehearse this, and you do it, I don't know, 15 times. Is that any way, will that be enough to mitigate to, 20 probably, years? Probably not. I mean, li- listen, it's not gonna take 20 years to grow new ones. Yes, that's the question. But, but How long will it take to it, grow new ones? Here's the thing. As, as often as you have <laughs> wow. to worry about this, this, this is really important. The, the, as often as you have to worry about it, if you did what I'm telling you to do, and you just did that constantly, so I worry about it, and then you insert it with this kind of neutralization, so mm-hmm. you're basically constantly doing it. Yeah. You could probably grow enough kind of, and there'll, there'll be other things we could add, but if you did it for a couple of months, it would start to make a huge difference. Really? It Even really if there's was. 20, I mean, I don't have social yeah. anxiety. I'm very, 
very good at parties. Ed can attest to that. But He's I know great. People, but you're but talking for a friend. That, you're talking for a friend. Yeah, I feel, but I do know people that do have social. I never even heard of it. I was like, mm -hmm. what? oh, yeah, it's a big thing. Yeah, yeah. Huge. So I'm just trying to just to take myself out of it, just so I can. No, it's, it's actually a really good question. But the truth of it is, you, you decided Thank tomorrow. You. I'm, I'm complimenting <laughs> myself right now. This is see you. Congratulations. <laughs> um, but really, if you decided to play the guitar tomorrow. Yeah, you, it, it wouldn't be like, oh, I can't play the guitar because I haven't played it for 20 years. No, <laughs> right? no, no, no. I play think you're the guitar? the point. No, I think you're, because that's like, a, that's an, in my opinion, and Ed, you can jump in, you're hosting this. I'm hosting like the show? Playing, no. Yeah, I feel like not, ho not playing the guitar is slightly different mm -hmm. than having a negative thing for 20 that's years. That's true, but my point is the positive thing, the learning the positive yeah. is a brand new network. Okay, Independent of the negative network. Yeah, and, and, and they and, fight. Do they fight? Like what happens? Well, listen, your anxiety people fight sometimes. They'll be like, "Whoa, what are you doing? What are you doing? Imagining this? What are you doing? Feeling better? You're gonna. This is dangerous. You you can't feel better, and the anxiety doesn't like it. Like it will actually make you stop. It'll make you quit. It'll make you not want to keep doing it. It'll make it'll ruin your visualizing. Right. 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 Um, so you just have to be really vigilant. You just have to be on it. And the more you do it, the easier it gets. Now, what's interesting is that people have, as we. As adults, we have trouble with imagination. It got kicked out yes, of us, yes. like as twelve-year-olds, right? It's yes. like stop imagining, smart. Well, nobody, nobody okay? gives us permission to do it. That's, no, and we lose that skill. Like when yeah, we're little I don't know. kids, right. right? When you're a little boy, and you're playing, I don't know, with your toys, it's so easy to see what's happening on that battlefield. Like you're in it. There's no question that you're in it. And then as you move into being an adult, and certainly as the frontal lobe comes online, it gets, it gets harder and harder to see things so clearly. And is some people are because of, Is that because the frontal lobe develops? Yes, yes, that's part of it. Okay. Right, and you can see like right around 12 or 13, play changes with children. It goes from really imaginative to you know, something very more concrete. Um, that's part of it. And then the other part is lots of messages about get, you know, get your head out of the clouds, what are you doing? <laughs> Be present. Stop, right. stop daydreaming. Right, right, um, right. You know, and then kids are on screens and everything else, so they don't even play in ways that we did as much when they're when we were little, right? right? So there's a number of different reasons for it, but it's like a muscle, like anything else. So if it's too scary to imagine, let's say you can't even imagine being on stage. Like the minute you imagine, you're still too nervous. Then, then imagine something else. Imagine walking through your childhood home, or imagine you know, uh, walking at, you know, on your favorite beach and walk around and try to see all the details, like use your imagination to actually start to see and build that imaginary world. Yep. And the more you do that, the better you get at it. So this is what actors do all the time. Uh, not that actors are the most emotionally stable people, but they do know how to do this. And really, if you're saying to everybody, anybody who's listening, practice imagining, use your imagination in your life and it's, it can only help your life. Never mind Absolutely. the other things that we're talking about. Using your imagination actually helps you change your life. And we're going to do a whole show on just imagination. Perfect. We'll play the temptation song, just imagination, <laughs> as our soundtrack. Right. Now, now, Jennifer, can I ask another question? Yeah, no? of course, yeah. of course. All right, you said something just briefly. You rode right by it. Mm -hmm. You drove past it. But yep. you said that there were other things yes. besides... I'm going to call it creative visualization. What do you call it? Rehearsal? Memory, uh, emotional it? and, co uh, yeah, cognitive and emotional rehearsal. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. 
So what were the other things you were saying? You were saying, so, you just briefly said yes. it, and then you've gone past it. All right, let me I add, heard it. Let me add some tools. So, so there's a few. There's a yes. few. I'm writing, the, I'm writing it down. I'm writing it down. Some of the stuff that we already know how to do that's kind of really out there in the, in the, in the psyche is certainly like being aware of how your body is talking to and changing your breathing, right? We walk right. around half the day and we don't realize I'm in a ball. What am I doing? My neck hurts. I have a headache. Well, it's because you're so tense. Right. You haven't even tuned in with your body and realized, oh, I can drop my shoulders. Oh, I can relax my stomach. And, and Ed, we talk about this almost every week, but it's the coolest little trick. If you let your tongue just go softly onto your bottom teeth, just let it kind uh -huh. of go soft, uh -huh. your, stomach, your stomach will let go. And as soon as your stomach lets go, it sends a signal to the brain that you don't have to protect your, your vital organs anymore. Right, because the first thing we do when we think we're being attacked is like we tighten everything up, right? Because we might be punched in the stomach or hit with something, right? So it's a it's a it's a, a um, unconscious thing that we we tighten up all our muscles, and that leads to back pain and headaches and not wanting to you know either overeating or undereating. And so our body is always talking to us, and mm -hmm. these emotions are information. We think of them, oh, I've got to ignore my emotions. I've got to you know, drink right. something or swallow something or, or distract myself. But that makes things worse. The more you distract yourself from anxiety, the more anxiety goes, well, he's not listening. I've got to oh. make him and listen. And get stronger. And get stronger. Exactly. And get stronger. Exactly. Interesting. Yeah. So, so feelings, you talk, talk, Jennifer talks about this all the time, but it's really, you can't hear it enough. And that is emotions and thoughts are messages. Yeah. Emotions are messages. It's energy in motion. It's sending you a message and it's like somebody knocking on the door and you're saying, I don't hear it. Yeah. I don't want to hear and it. Also, and also it's coming from a place of love. I get all yes. that. It loves yeah. you. It loves Wayne. Yeah. Okay. I love that you're saying that because so many people feel so negatively about their emotions that they run from them even more. But if you just look at it as information and, and love, yeah. it's out of control. It's trying to protect it. I get you. Yeah. Okay, besides the tongue, besides mm -hmm. the breathing, are there any <laughs> other? Well, Wayne wants a list. I have, list. He I wants have a, list. a whole bunch, okay? And we, and we won't overload anyone, but let me give you a couple of really good ones. Like, I love it. Okay, so, so here's the next one that I really like. And once again, it's all about imagination. And the more detail you can put into this, the more real you can make it, the better. So basically, this is great for when you're nervous about something, you've got that angsty feeling, but you don't know what it is. And the, the limbic system is all about context. So it thinks something's going to attack you. That's all it cares about. And if it can't see anything, it's going to run the brain on a loop. So give it context. So what you do is you imagine yourself at the top of a very rickety ladder, like a terrifying ladder. And you're standing at the top and you're like, oh, okay, that's why I'm scared because I'm at the top of a ladder. Okay, okay, I'm going to be okay. All right, where's my foot? Okay, I'm going to put my foot on the, on the next rung. Okay, I'm going to crouch down a little bit so that feels a little better. Okay, and then I'm going to take my next foot. I'm going to go on the next run. And you actually see your feet, right? Make this real. And as you're moving yourself down the ladder, you're like, okay, I'm getting there. Then you get to about halfway and you're like, okay, all right, I'm halfway. This is good. I can see the ground. I'm doing well. And then you keep going until your feet touches the ground, until your feet touch the ground. And then you're like, oh, okay, I'm back on, on, on terra firma. This is good. I'm good. I'm off the ladder. We're good. And quite often that will do it. Interesting. So the imagination, one of the most, one of the most powerful tools, and then just the awareness, the recognition, how many thoughts and feelings do I have during the day, but I don't let them in or I don't acknowledge yeah. them yeah. 10 million times. And you All do right. that. And of course you build the negativity network. You build, you know, the, okay, let me, let me ask you another question. Not about sure. any of these other things. Yeah. Yeah. Like there, we were talking, cause I also teach at USC and I was talking mm -hmm. to a kid once about, we talked about stage fright and anxiety a little mm -hmm. bit. And one 
of my students, she said, what she does is, I don't know if she used the word reframing it, but this sounds like a little more frontal cortex than what you're doing, mm -hmm. which mm -hmm. was she said, I always do it as opposed to, oh, I hope these jokes work, or I hope I don't bomb, or I hope they like me, or I'm worried that, you know, the booker isn't going to like me. Mm -hmm. I try to not concentrate on that, but concentrate on more, oh, I get to tell these jokes. This is exciting for me to That's share these brilliant. jokes with these people. Yep. So right. she kind of reframes the whole experience, but is that how... Just react to that. Sure, and sure. What, well, what that's the same thing. That's context, right? The brain just wants context. And unless there's a tiger in front of you ready to pounce, scared about a show that's happening in the future does not make any sense to the limbic system because it only understands the now. Well, there must be right. something right now, right? So what she's done, which is brilliant, and I'm glad you brought this up, is anxiety and excitement are exactly the same emotion. <laughs> if someone's in an MRI, they're exactly the same. The only difference is context. How you respond to it. And stress, you know, they talk a lot about this in stress, how to stress better. And, and stress actually behaves differently in your body when you say, my body's preparing me for something. I'm, I'm excited. I yeah, get to do can, something. Yeah, the can, stress yeah. acts differently in your body. Exactly. So I'm wait, excited. You, this is creative you, energy. It's fantastic. And it works. But now, when, again, when, as someone who's, someone who's, who's experienced both excitement and anxiety. Mm -hmm. I don't know if, for me, I don't want to make a generalization. For me, it does not feel like the same thing. So it doesn't I, feel the same in your brain, but in your body, it's the same. Your heart is pounding, your muscles are all tight, you want to scream, <laughs> like it's the same. Physically, it's very, very similar. What makes it a completely different feeling is your, is your perception is the context. It's literally yes, right? good guy, bad guy. It's literally good cop, bad cop with yourself. You're literally, you're literally saying, this is bad, and then I have to go off and, and be panicked, or you're saying, this is good, I get I to do something. I understand, but I'm saying when I feel, again, I'm gonna say it one more time and I'll let mm -hmm. it go. When I feel excitement, it is a way different feeling yes. all through and manifestation in my body yes. and anxiety. Well, anxiety and is like, I, I, Ed, have you ever had like a panic attack, like a yes. thing like that? Does yes. that feel like, oh, this is exciting. I don't get to see a three dog night. No but, what, no, but what propels the panic attack is I never ask myself, is this dangerous or, you know, is it, is it going to kill me? I never ask myself that. I just say, this is bad. I'm dying. That's the end of my life. I say the same thing every time. No, so, I'm just talking about the feeling. The feeling. Yeah. I'm well, not the, talking the, about the, how you're reacting but, but to But Wayne, it. The, reason that the, the reason that you have the feeling is because of the perception of it. The reason that you have the feeling, it's, it begins with the perception. So if you change the perception, the feeling will be different. The all right. Of it okay. is you not guys. The all right. Never mind. Never mind. You guys. No. Are you know what? This is you're important. Not what I'm no. You're saying. You're, you're saying. You're saying. It's. You're saying. You're saying. It's very. It's very um, different. The what you sense and what you feel physically and what. No. You and I get that they might on a electrospectrogram. I'm sure that's look not the, the right name yep. of it. I'm yep. sure. But whatever that thing is, I'm sure they look the same. But I'm telling for me, and I don't. I'll let this go. But. It doesn't feel it like that no, does not feel you're even not close to doesn't even feel yeah. close. You're not wrong. Opinion. And it's important that you're saying this because people are going to hear that and they're going to think, well, are you kidding me? <laughs> it does not feel the same. But if you think about just for a second, if somebody just told you like unbelievably shockingly good news, 
Right. There's a moment of like shock to your body, right? And then okay, the, yeah. the difference is one is good and one is bad. And as soon as it's bad, now you have cortisol. Now you have, you know, adrenaline. Now you have uh, the whole biochemistry in your brain changing. And now you, fit, you feel different because now you're miserable. Being anxious is miserable. I don't want people to think, oh, it's just turn a little switch, change your mind, and you're going to feel great. No, anxiety is a beast. It is a beast, and it likes to be fed, and it will not leave you alone. So once your body has registered as an anxiety, when you're right, it's miserable. And it's one of the worst feelings in the world. Like you literally want to jump out of your body and run down the street. It is such a miserable, miserable feeling. So on the, on the, when they're sort of looking at an MRI, it's going to look very similar. And the initial feeling is quite similar. But the second your brain figures out, oh, no, this is bad news, now you're miserable, like really miserable. Then it doesn't feel like excitement at all. It just feels awful. All right. Well, thanks. I mean, thank you for agreeing with me. No, no, that's important because I want people to hear that, right? Yeah. I don't want people to go, oh, it's, no, it's, it's a yucky, yucky, yucky feeling. It's, it's, um, it's a horrible feeling, really. And so I want to go back to something really interesting because we were talking about imagination has been the theme today, right? Love it, love it. So anxiety is really just your imagination gone awry. Oh, <laughs> really, okay. That's what it is, right? You're imagining yourself on that yeah. stage screwing up. Yes. You're imagining your bank account emptying. You You're see, imagining- you see it. Your yeah. wife leaving you, like whatever it is. Rather, rather than what you want, you see the worst of what you don't want, and you're imagining right. it, and that's fear. Right, and as you're using your imagination anyway, you're just you're just focusing on the things you don't want, and so fear. And we've said this before: anxiety is when you insert yourself into you're living something that's happening in the future. You're inserting yourself into a future event, and you're living it as if it's happening right now. And not only that, you're doing it over and over and over again. And when you're depressed you're inserting yourself into the past right, right, and living that over and over again, right? In the now, and this is really important, no matter what's happening, unless there actually is something in front of you that's going to pounce on you. If in the now there is nothing that's about to pounce on you and eat you, you're okay. And then you can use your strategies. Wayne, is there anything that's about to pounce on you in your house? No, but I'm thinking about writing a book called The Power of Now. What do you think of that? <laughs> I like what you've done. I, I think that would be good. I think if we can rewind it to 1974, you'd be in good shape. And Eckhart Tolle is a poor man. He's out of business. He has the Eckhart Tolle GPS. Well, I think, yeah. I think on a, a certain level, I think we all know that like, it's obviously about the future. It's obviously fear is future-based. Yes. Yes. Or, yes. I don't know, I guess if, I mean, I'm just, let's take it out, let's think about a boxer, all right? So you're just boxing, you're trying to win, but I'm sure if you feel like, oh, I'm losing this fight, anxiety would step in based on new set of information, right? Yes, of course, of course. But also fight or flight would, would, would jump in. Right, and it right. be fight or flight. So oh, if you're right. a boxer, your default fear is probably going to be anger and, and aggression. Oh, I but they're the same thing. They're just flip sides of the same coin. Oh, Anxiety either goes outward into bossing people around, being aggressive and being nasty, uh -huh. which is why if there's nasty people in your life, I'm telling you right now, they're anxious. Uh, they're not mean, they're anxious. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Right? Like imagine <laughs> you're, you're on TV or something and some, you're doing the countdown, like, okay, 20 seconds to live and somebody right. comes over and says, hey, Wayne, I got to ask you something. You're like, get out of here. Get out. 
leave me alone. I'm doing something. Like you're going to have that prickly kind of get away from me kind of anxiety. Right, right. Yeah, that's really. Anxiety, that right? does resonate. That does yeah. resonate. And yeah. if you're feel if you're a boxer in a ring and you feel like you're losing, um, you're probably going to default to anger. So anger, e- so so anxiety either goes outward into aggression and prickliness and nastiness, or it goes inward, which is how we started the hour into self-loathing and living in your own head and, and beating yourself up and deciding you're the biggest loser on the planet so that you can protect yourself. If you think you're horrible and then someone else says you're horrible, well, you've already told yourself you're horrible. Right, right, so you've right, protected right, yourself, right? right it either right. goes inward or outward. Well, can I ask you another question, Rob? Yeah. Wayne, let me just say that, that now, Jennifer, how much would you be charging for this if Wayne were just in your <laughs> office? What is the, t- I'm getting what is the meter set? You know what I love? I love Wayne. Like you just have a brain that just loves to uncover and like fractalize and understand every piece of it. I love that. Did you and, say and, fractalize? Yes, fractalize. Yes, I've never heard that word. It You're taking fractions. It, it breaks it down into tiny and tinier pieces, which is amazing. This is how we're going to really understand this. But often with a brain like that, it does yeah. it in the, it, it can do it in the right direction, like a conversation like this. Right. But boy, can it turn it on you. Yeah. Oh, no, no, no. No. Sometimes, because yeah. sometimes, like, for example, just sidebar before I get to my question, if Sometimes I, I'm doing like some sort of deep breathing exercise or, you know, or not deep breathing, but like a breathing just to, to kind of relax and stuff. My mind, of course, is always like, you're just trying to, this is not, I yeah. know what you're doing, yeah. Wayne. Yeah, exactly. Or, or it's like, am I breathing right? Yeah, yeah, deeply yeah. enough. Maybe I didn't hold it long enough. Right. Either way, this you're is, right. Yeah, yeah. It's a yeah. Hard no, no, no. I, I'm a very analytical guy. Yeah. No question. Which no is question. fantastic, except that it can work against you. But that's a really important thing. Okay. So, what's your question? Okay, my question. Yeah. It's a, I'm going to take it out of boxing because boxing is too. But I'm going to keep it in the realm of sports. Okay. Like by I the way, for, couple... by, by the way, for a sports person, it's Ali Foreman. That's what we're yeah. talking about. It's totally okay. Ali Foreman. Go ahead. It does it. But here's my, here's my question. Because there have been a couple big sports documentaries during the shutdown. And one mm-hmm. of them was on Michael Jordan. Another one was on Lance Armstrong. I mm-hmm. saw them both. Mm-hmm. And they're both, both, I, Lance Armstrong said something very interesting that you, your comment triggered, which was like when he's racing, he likes to, and this is a quote, get his hate on. Like mm-hmm. that helps him. Yeah. So I assume from what I'm learning from you, just today from Jennifer, <laughs> he is, that's how he's processing his anxiety. He's turning into fight. He's turning yeah. into fight. So Michael yeah. Jordan, same way, he would come up with things, reasons to hate yeah. somebody. Yeah. But on the flip side, so both of those guys, high, obviously achieving guys. But I know other athletes who are just like, the more relaxed I am, the more I am just in the moment, in the now, in the thing, the better it is. If I'm focused on hating someone, I don't perform as well. And yet these two guys are two of the highest performing athletes in the world. How do you square that? Go, Jennifer. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's an interesting question. And it comes back to love and fear, which we'll talk about. And there's also different sports. Like there's certain sports where being angry, like football, that's going to help you. But you're going to be able to, what's that? Baseball, no. No, right. like like when it's more strategy, not, and not that it's not, but when when there's a when there's a, when there's a physical actual like combating with somebody component, tapping into that fight part is going to help you. And be, let's face it, being angry feels way better than feeling scared. And I don't want right. people to go, oh, if Jennifer says to be angry, this is much better. Uh-huh. That has a whole other set of problems, right? But 
you know, when, when um, I always say this to parents when they're yelling at their kids, right? When they're angry at their kids, if you're yelling at somebody and it feels fantastic, it's wrong. You're being a jerk, right? It should feel pushed down. It should feel like, oh, I'm so mad. I do all oh, this all. Like you should feel your frontal lobe actually inhibiting it, right? So anger certainly feels better than fear because you have more power when you're angry. Right, right, right. So if you right. can funnel, and maybe that's a that's a talent that the you know the first two athletes have that they can channel that anger right into that moment. But there's other sports and, and other athletes that are much more cerebral. And so when they get into flow, yes. which is usually a heart-centered deep belief that they are in the zone. Yes. There is no other outcome. There is this. And right, that, right. That is optimal. I, I don't want to go against any other athletes. Whatever's working for you. But. No, 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 of course. But keep saying what we were just saying about optimal. Well, that, you know, being in flow and being in that in the zone, yeah. right? And, and whether you're an actress or you're a painter or a dancer or an athlete, it, you know when you're in flow. You just right. know because yeah. it's, it ascends time. It just feels like a different realm that you're in. And that's actually heart-brain coherence. So people don't actually realize that there are 40,000 neurites, brain cells, in your heart. <laughs> the heart actually thinks and plans and informs the brain. That's why every culture on earth knows where you feel love and intuition is in your heart. It's except for this one, except for this one, <clears throat> every other culture. No, but, 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 <laughs> yeah. but, but wait a minute, wait, wait, wait. I'm sorry, this is a let... very loving place. Go ahead. Am I supposed to, there's, there's no brain cells in the heart. Yes, there are. It's, yes, there are. It, and you can, the Heart Mass Institute, this is a known fact. There are, there are also brain cells in your stomach, by the way, almost as many as a dog has in their brain. There are th the, the main brain, the one in your head, is yeah. the one they all interface with, but it is a giant network. Is there right? brain in my hand? No, I don't think so. Is there brain in my liver? I don't know. These are very, look at how they your brain fractalizes. Let's <laughs> find this out. Wait. It's amazing. Wait, <laughs> Wayne, where is your emotional router? Where's your router located? <laughs> but he, your, honestly, your router, I'm going to answer that, Ed. Your, your router is in your heart. That's where you feel in, in, intuition. All right. Well, oh, right. That's when your okay. best ideas come to you. When you're, when you're lined up, when your heart and your head are lined up together, when they match, that's when you have intuition. That's when your best ideas come. That's where creativity comes from. That's where you're funny. Okay. That's when you're in the zone. Right. So, talking, so, all right. I'm just, but, just but no, I'm not going to, I'm not going to argue because I'm loving this conversation. It sounds, it's something I've never heard before. That's the but, only reason I'm Honestly, I'm go, go to the heart math institute they have they'll it's okay it's, okay i will it, i mean it's, it's, it's it, it, i want to get a, it's, i don't want to again this is not about this about that thing so back to your saying when your heart and your mind are in the zone flowing that's the flow. and all that's, the, the that's all important is that is an optimal that's the, optimal the eckhart toll is the now yeah. like and yes. when, and when you're, you're not in anxiety because you're not about the future yep. and you're not in depression because it's not about the past yeah Yes, absolutely. And, and that's really important. So, so I want to talk about love and fear for a minute because yeah. when you're operating uh, from a place of fear, yes, you're not going to do your best. You're not. You're just not. If you, if you line up with love, I love doing what I do. I love my audience. I right. love making people laugh. I love that I get to do this job instead of I'm afraid they're going to hate me. I'm afraid right. I'm not going to be funny. 
Oh, right? I thought you were... And this is, this is a practice. This is what Ed said right at the beginning. This is a practice. This is not, you don't, you don't just flip a switch. If it was that easy, we would have all flipped the switch many, many years ago. Like this, this right, right. commitment, right. right? So that when you're in that state where you're operating from love, and this is true if you're in a conversation with somebody, right? Or you're trying to get your kid to go to bed. If you're like, you have to go to sleep. You got to get, you're going to be exhausted tomorrow. If it has that energy, forget it. You've already lost. If it's like, buddy, I love you so much. And I, I totally get it. Cause I know you don't want to go to bed, but I love you enough for you to be mad at me. You got to get your sleep. You're going to have a very different response from your child or anyone that you're speaking to from that place of love, right? It's really important. It is so optimal in so many ways. And yet we're so disconnected from it, our culture in particular, especially with cell phones and apps and video games and distraction, 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 all we're doing is feeling like crap and then distracting ourselves when we feel like crap, which just tells our anxiety and our, and our negative emotions to go, well, pfft, not listening at all. So okay, we're so walking around, doing this, we're yeah. walking around carrying all this stuff. We're carrying anxiety. It's, it's pent up emotion. It's pent up Because all we're doing is distracting ourselves. And then the and more you, you say these, the apps and the phone and all of that, is mm -hmm. that because you get maybe a little juice from them, a little? Yes, of course. You get adrenaline and you get adrenaline dopamine. Adrenaline or yeah. what's the and other dopamine. one? Dopamine. dopamine. That's it. Dopamine. You yeah, get a yeah, hit yeah. of dopamine. Like dopamine is supposed to reward you for doing something really boring like fishing, sorry, if there's people who love fishing or yeah, building yeah. a shelter or hunting or gathering, like it's boring. But then when you get that thing you've been looking for, it's like, ah, oh, it's amazing. And then you get this huge blast of adrenaline right. and, and dopamine, which, which is so much fun that you can't wait to do it again. But here's the, here's the trick. In order to want to do it again, you have to get an even bigger blast of dopamine the next time. This is what addiction is. That's and it doesn't matter if it's, yeah, it doesn't oh. matter if it's gambling, drinking, <laughs> Diving into Reddit, like whatever it is. If Could it you be are shopping online on yes, Amazon? Shopping, yeah, shopping, eating sugar, eating. I don't know anything about that, but I heard no. that that's a terrible yes. thing. You're asking for a friend. Uh, this, for a friend. Yeah, just a friend. This, friend. This, but that's it, right? You get that new thing, and there's this blast of dopamine, which feels that's, amazing. That's and what all of this is based on. And, and how, do you, how do you mitigate that? So that's, first of all, again, recognizing that that leads to dopamine and adrenal and um, uh, addiction and anything you're doing like that leads to pleasure. Right. It, we've confused pleasure and happiness. They're two completely different things. Right. Like pleasure, you're going to get dopamine. You're going to get oxytocin and you're going to get serotonin. And those are the uh, beautiful reward chemicals that are deeply soothe the brain are incredibly comforting, bring you into brain-heart coherence. It strengthens the immune system, speeds up neuroplasticity. It does all kinds of things for you. So connecting with other humans, volunteering, helping, um, playing a board game. Okay, let me just, ask you a question. You know, yeah. Are, are these, I don't take any kind of medications, but these medications, do they help in the, the happiness drug or the pleasure drug? Like, Are you talking about like anti-anxiety meds? Yeah, well, I, I know there's a couple different versions of them. Some yeah, they, I mean, the SSRIs. So they, they will change the, the biochemistry so it calms your brain down. Right? That's so all right. So they be, do that. So yes, what, is, and, what is it calming down? Like what is happening with those drugs? So basically what's happening is that it's changing your biochemistry so that you're not in fight or flight anymore, right? Uh, and okay. it's, it's changing of serotonin and dopamine and all of the different chemicals that um, make up how we're feeling. Are you allowed and to I prescribe not, those? 
So, so there's nothing wrong with it. And sometimes when the limbic system gets to such a boiling point and you, you just have your, it is, it's sort of like, think of it this way. If you were cooking some noodles, okay. And you put it on the stove and the water starts boiling and then somebody calls you and you, you, you sort of take it off the, the burner for yeah. a second. And then, you, then you go back a second later, it's going to go straight to a boil. That's anxiety right. and depression. Okay. So what you want to do is you want to take the pot off for a very long time. So the water cools way down. Right, right, but when something right. does happen that's scary, you're going to have a, not have a disproportionate response to it. Mm-hmm. Right? So and the, that's well, what those drugs do. They yes, kind of that's cool what that does. The, they, cool, they cool the, the noodles. Cool yes. the noodles. Yeah, they cool the noodles. And what we want yeah. people to do while you're on those meds, which sometimes I sort of think of it like a flotation device. You wouldn't, yeah. you wouldn't say to somebody, hey, I'm going to teach you to swim and then kick them into the water while they, it's okay now kick your feet and put your hand one hand over the other you're busy thinking you're drowning you can't follow any direction right 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 well let me ask another question well, wait a minute wait, wait just one thing you yeah. this whole thing has been a ploy to get a prescription isn't that, it's not, it's isn't not, that what this is Rick no, Wayne? I'm trying isn't to that learn. what you're I'm driving trying, at i'm no, trying to learn I, you know what though I'm, even if people take these medications and sometimes you have to and they can be incredibly helpful they really yeah. can. But that doesn't mean, and taking a pill does not mean that you're not doing the other work. So all the other stuff that we've talked about over this hour, if you are on medication, you want to be doing all the other stuff because you want to be building those neuropathies. Okay, you okay. want to be getting your anxiety under control or your depression under control so you can go off those medications one day. Because whenever you need anything other than you to fix a problem, you are always going to need that thing. Have other, build some other pathways, have other um, strategies that you use have have a whole tool toolbox full of things. Okay. So that you have a choice, right? You're if talking you, about the, now the toolbox. You're talking about the breathing, the oh, tongue, the ladder. Like, this Everything. is only an hour. Like this is why we Everything. have a whole show. I have like tons and tons of things. Oh, okay. And, and by the way, right? you can go go to Jennifer's uh, go to Jennifer's site, which is Connected Parenting. I just um, shut down my internet because I. I don't want to get any more dopamine. I just, <laughs> I Good well, move. I want, pe- I want people to have a choice, right? If you, if you choose to take the medication because it makes it easier, but you have lots of other, t- other tools and, and, and ways to manage, great. If you have to take your medication for a while, great. But if you have to take it forever, that right. sounds so great. Wayne's Brain is a whole episode. <laughs> yes. It's an entire episode thank called you. Wayne's Brain. And, and I want to thank everybody. for First of all, Wayne, thanks so much. That You're welcome. Amazing. Thank you, Wayne. This is so fun. Oh, so good. I learned fun. a lot. Thank you. And oh, for listening to the men- Mental Health Comedy, you can find us everywhere. Subscribe. Uh, don't do a fight or flight when you subscribe. It just flight. Just do flight and come to us. Uh, and if you're going to do fight, fight something else. Uh, fight the power. But I want to thank you for listening. This has been great. It's been really interesting. And uh, <laughs> listen, we're not we're not a we're not a mental health hotline. If you have serious mental health issues. Uh, there are many organizations, including NAMI is a good one. Um, Project Semicolon is another one for younger people that you could look up. Uh, go to them, help, get help from them. But keep listening to the show if you can and write us, talk to us, find us everywhere that you can find us. The show has been sponsored by Copra, which is a new voice-activated app that uses Oprah's voice to help you cope. <laughs> Uh, Oprah, over 100 programmable responses. For example, you might say, I can't pay my health insurance. Copra will say, my chef will make you an avocado smoothie. Copra, 
Coping Support direct to you from Oprah, and Coper Premium gives you Super Soul Sunday, whether you like it or not. Um, okay, that's the show. I'm Ed Krasnick for Jennifer Kalari and for Wayne Fetterman. Keep coming back. It works if you work it. We will see you next time. Thank you.